New Hope Outreach Ministries, making a difference by taking the gospel from word to action. And now, today's message. Incredible love of God this morning. And he just showed me his love through the baby. <laughs> so I praise God for... For his goodness. Okay, let's pray. Oh, Holy Father, we just praise you and we worship you, Lord. We honor you, God, for who you are. You are holy, you are righteous. There's none like you. There's none that can compare to you. You are God. And we worship you. We give you glory. We thank you for your son, Jesus, that you sent for us. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done, all that you accomplished, for the victory that you won. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, as we stand before you, and as we are in your presence collectively as a group, we say, Holy Spirit, have your way. This is all about you. This is what you want. God, we step aside and say, have your way. Father, we praise you and we bless your holy name. Bless your word. Bless each one of us that we be hearing your word. Speak to our spirits. Speak to our souls. Transform us into the image that you have made us to be. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. This morning I want to talk about, as I said, the incredible love of God. And just thinking about this, it just fills you up. So if you see tears, they're not sad tears. Because God is, is, is so amazing. He's so wonderful. And I was speaking with Betsy this week. I think it was last week, whenever we talked. <laughs> and we were talking about, you know, how, mm, if I get it wrong, fix it. <laughs> we were talking about, you know, all that God has for for us, how we want to make that transition of where we are into the very depthness of what God has for us. We talk, we hear about his love for us and we hear about, you know, the mighty miracles that he wants to do through us as his children. We 
think about all the good things that he has in store for us and we want to position ourselves in a place where he can do that. So, saying all that, I guess I better go down with this lesson. <laughs> you know, we talk about how much God loves us. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody. Pets, our pets want to be loved. Everything that has life, I believe, want to be loved. But the world, influenced by the devil, has deceived us on what love is. Love is not that warm, fuzzy feeling that everybody want to feel. Love is not what I can, what you can give me to make me feel loved. It's not about what you can, somebody else can do for me. Your, the love that God want us to experience has nothing to do with what someone else can do for you. We've got to receive that love, first of all, from God. And so as I was thinking about this, I gotta say something that you might not want to hear. But it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you directly anyway. It might be about you indirectly. But it's not about you. So it's time to get over yourself. Somebody told me that a few months ago. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe last year sometime we were talking during the pandemic. My girlfriend from Indiana and I was talking to her about some things. If this was before John's situation came up and everything, and we were talking, and she said, <laughs> it's not about you. Get over yourself. So I'm telling you guys, it's not about you. Get over yourself. Because at the end of the day, it's about God. It's all about God. And then when John got sick and he was in ICU and I was getting so much mm, support and compassion and people telling me to take care of myself and that came back to me. No, get up and fight for your husband. Get up and pray for your husband. It's not about you. And then the Lord showed me, uh, this, has been, this has been a journey. The Lord showed me Even John's sickness, what he went through, this is me personally, now this is what he showed me. It's not about John directly. It's about God. And this, God didn't do it. Now don't get me wrong, he didn't do that. He didn't, he doesn't, like somebody said, he doesn't do bad things. But this was an opportunity for him to show me his love for John, 
his love for me, his desire to hear and answer our prayers, his desire for us to come close to him and to be drawn to him. And if you think about it, in times of hardship, what's the first thing you should do is to cry out to God. Most, you look back at the history of the Israelites when things got really, 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 really bad. They began to cry out to God. And he proved himself to them over and over and over again. I got, as I was writing this and thinking about this and in the kitchen trying to cook and in the bedroom trying to, I'm writing notes as the thoughts come to my head as the Lord has given me this. But, you know, another thing that we need to understand is that love is a verb. That means it's action. It's not a passive thing. Love is active. Love is, uh, is an act of service. Love is doing for others. Love is not, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> what I can get somebody to do for me, but what can I do for you? And you know, the scripture lets us know we get what we sow. If I'm doing for you, it's going to in turn make you want to do for me. But everybody wants everybody to do for me first. Do for me. Do something for me. Make me feel loved. Make me feel appreciated. Make me feel <clears throat> special. But that happens when you make the individual feel special, when you make them feel loved. So it's not so much about what folks can do for you, but what can I do for someone else? And I, as I thought about that, the scripture in Romans, the fifth chapter, uh, definitely before you put it up, for those of us that have Bibles, let's find it. And those of you who didn't bring your Bible, start bringing them. <laughs> Romans, the fifth chapter. And it's a familiar scripture for most of us. All right, seems like we all got it, so definitely you can throw it up there. I'm doing King James. Verse 8. But God commended or demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He took action first. We were, we were sinners. We were walking in our own way, doing our own thing, <clears throat> not thinking about God, not caring about God. Living our own life, doing what made us feel good, or we thought made us feel good. But God knew that we needed a Savior. And he knew that we needed him. See, the thing of it is, and, you know, I just want to talk with you this morning. Uh, I, I, I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit to take us where he wants us to go. 
The scripture lets us know that we were made for God's good pleasure. Think about that. We were made for his good pleasure, not selfish, not evil, not lustful pleasure, but his good pleasure. And when I think about that, and I think about the God that we serve, and the fact that it pleases him to do good for us, that's his good pleasure, to bless us, to pull us out of sin, to pull us out of darkness, to give us a promise of, of eternal life. The scriptures say all good and perfect gifts comes from above. They come from God. So according to Ephesians, as we were walking along, according to the course of this world, then God intervened and he stepped in. And I don't know how it happened for you guys, but God interrupted my life. I remember I was in, in college in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I was in my apartment. And I knew about God, but it had gotten to the point, I found out about the enemy too. Because I would be in that house and sometimes my roommate, she would be at work or in class and I would be there alone. I could sense the presence in the house, in that apartment. And it was one of the most uncomfortable things I'd ever felt. And uh, I remember distinctively one day walking up the stairs to the bedrooms and I sensed a presence so strong that I looked back to see if someone was behind me. That's how the enemy pursues you. It was the most uncomfortable. It made me fearful. Something came over me that it, it, it just made me so afraid. The enemy pursues every one of us. But the scripture also tells us in John 19th chapter, I think it is, that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. He comes looking for us just like the enemy comes looking for you. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy you. And as long as you are alive on this earth, he wants you most miserable until you close your eyes in death. He wants to make everything terrible for you. That's the devil. The scriptures say he came to, what is it? How does it go? Okay, y'all know this. Good. Say it one more time. That's what the enemy came to do. He wants to destroy everything about you. He don't want you to have any peace, but thank God for Jesus. Because the scripture lets us know that Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. And when you are lost, you are at the enemy's mercy. But we're not here to talk about the devil. We're not here to talk about what he can do. We're here to talk about God's incredible love for you. The love that caused him to send his son who knew no sin. I think that's in 2 Corinthians. Let's go. Let's, let's find it so I don't misquote it. 
Second Corinthians chapter five. And let's look at verse 21. Verse 21 reads, For he hath made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin. He didn't know sin. Jesus never sinned that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God loves us so much that when we were sinners, walking according to the course of this world, Jesus came and died for us. He who knew no sin, he came and he took our place. And the punishment that we should have received, he took that punishment upon himself for myself, for you, and for everybody in this world. He, that's that incredible love that he has for us. He took that punishment that each one of us should have taken that we might be made righteous in him. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You see, but the devil has sold humanity so many lies that they have bought first of all one of those lies is that you don't just need Jesus he's not the only way to God I mean you you don't you don't have to just think about it the only religion that has been persecuted so strongly is the one that acknowledges Jesus Anything else is acceptable. <clears throat> and I remember seeing a, a, uh, a bumper sticker. Some of you may have seen it and know what I'm talking about. But it's one that says, coexist. And it's made up, the word coexist, is made up of every so many symbols of various religions. Coexist, though. That's what it's saying. All of us, all of these religions, we can coexist together. No. Mm -mm. Nope. We got to come out from among them. We got to be separate. We got to represent Jesus Christ. And in order for us to do that, we cannot coexist with the devil. For what? How does, it go? How does that scripture go? What has light have to do with darkness? How does that scripture go, y'all Bible scholars? Say. <laughs> We can't coexist. We can't. You got it? Read it. Oh, I don't mind interaction. Can y'all hear that? You're going to have to get louder. Where is it at? All right, then, 11 through 16. I'll read it. Okay. Oh, ye Gal Corinthians, our mouths is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. Use the Second Corinthians chapter what? Six. Okay. Let's read 14. 
Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. But what does the bumper sticker say? Coexist. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness, and we just read that you have been made righteous. Okay? So what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? Coexist, right? And what concord hath Christ with Baal? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? See, now I want you to have your Bible so you can mark this and go and look up these words. Get you a Strong's Concordance or get you a Google. <laughs> look up these words. Okay, what's an infidel? A devil. Okay. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of of the living God, each one of us, the Spirit of God lives in us. And God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. You see, everybody want to receive and experience that incredible love of God. But we want to receive all the goodness of God and still intermingle with the world. It, it won't happen. It, ju it just can't happen. As the saying goes, when, when you think about it, you can't save your cake and eat it too. You're going to either have to eat it, and it's gone, or you're going to have to save it. I don't know why I tried to use that example. <laughs> but in other words, it's going to be one or the other. That's what I'm saying. God will love you regardless of what you find yourself involved in. He loves you so much till Jesus died for you. You see, but, and a lot of people will say, well, why is God allowing these babies to die? And why does a loving God send people to hell? And why is God allowing all of this stuff to happen? Okay. Why? Why is that happening? Why is God letting this happen? Because you have a free will. And he respects your choices. What does the scripture say? Uh, set before you life or death, but choose life. He gives you the options. He tells you what to choose, but you get to choose whatever you want to choose. And if you choose death, the only thing he can do is say, Holy Spirit, continue to work on him. Continue to talk to them. Continue to show them that they've made the wrong choice. Continue to let them know that the choice that they've made is leading them further and further away from me and will land them in hell. But people want to blame God for all the bad things that's happening. 
What about people that are making these ungodly decisions and want to blame, want you to blame God for it? It's not God, brothers and sisters. God wants good and only good for you. He wants you to be blessed to the utmost. He wants to bless you to the utmost. Like I said, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. What does John 3.16 say? God so loved the world. I'm going to read that. Well, I said it's a New King James, but it says the same thing. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. God so loved the world. Not India, not America. Okay, let me show y'all my limited geography. <laughs> okay, not all these other countries out here. <laughs> oh, not Germany, not Japan, not Hong Kong. That's not a country, is it? Anyway, all these other places. He didn't just specify a certain group of people. God so loved the world. All of us that he gave. God put forth action to his love. Like I said, act, love is action. Love does things for other people. God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? He gave his only begotten son. How, uh, almost everybody in here, parents, right? How many of you would be willing to say, okay, take my child and you can kill it for the sins or the misdeeds of all those people over there that I don't even know? How many of us would be willing to do that? God didn't do something to us. None of us would be. But yet he did. He did because he has a plan. His plan was to plant Jesus as that seed that would, because of his death, all of us can come and experience his incredible love for us. All right. But... 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. Satan, who is the God of this world, this is New Living Translation. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And that's the sad truth. That's why it's important that we come to know the truth. Because believe it or not, Satan has blinded so many people. Before we accepted Christ, our minds were there too. You couldn't tell us anything. I've shared with you guys before how um, 
my aunt who was saved, I would go up to her house and we'd eat, we'd share, we'd talk, we'd laugh until she started talking to me about Jesus. And then it was like, okay, I got to go. Don't want to hear it. Got to go. We don't want to hear it because the enemy tries his best to hold on to you, but he feeds you a pack of lies. And the thing of it is, he gives it to you in such a wrapped up package through people that you would accept it from until you believe it. And you accept it. And when somebody come telling you about the love of God, then we don't want to accept that because what the enemy has told us, it feels good to the flesh. It's good to the flesh. We don't want to hear nothing about giving up anything. But one thing I've learned about God, he doesn't take anything from us. The more you fall in love with him, you begin to make your own choices. Things begin to fall off because I don't even want to have anything to do with that anymore. That's no longer what I want. I don't even want to go there no more. I don't even want to hang with those people no more. I don't even hear, understand. I don't even like what they're saying. Well, just think I used to talk like that. But I don't want to hear it anymore. Because you are now developing and maturing your relationship with God. It's like when you get married to somebody that you truly love. You're willing to walk away from all the rest of those. They might wink at you or holler at you or say something they think you want to hear. It doesn't even catch your attention because you're in love with that one. It doesn't work anymore. You want to mature and strengthen that relationship with the one that you're in love with. That's what God wants to do with us. We've got to mature our relationship with him in order to experience that incredible love that God has for us and all of the things that he has for us. We've got to continue to mature that relationship with him. God has so much for us. And let me finish the scripture. Uh, where are we at? Uh, four and four. Uh, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of God, who is the exact likeness, the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Jesus came to show us who God is. And when we, when we see him and the way he loves and the way he sacrificed, that's how God is. But going on now, back to what I was saying, I think. The enemy doesn't want us to see how much God loves us. The world that we live in now and the climate that's going on around us is so dark. And it makes me think about back in the days when Moses went to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. All of the curses and all of the things that came upon the Egyptians couldn't touch God's people because he had them protected. And as children of God, regardless of what's going on in our world, 
You want to get as close to God as you possibly can because he won't allow it to touch you. And, you know, we've been warned about this. I go to the commissary sometime and I see these signs that we are unable to get or we're having problems getting these products uh, because of, of, of uh, what they call it, delivery and all of that. And then there was a point, say what? Supply chain. And then of all, sometimes you go in there, I could only, you could only get two <laughs> two packages of chicken or whatever the whatever the chicken is you can only get two you're limited and now the gas prices are going going coming down but man they were up there for a minute but guess what god has provided for his own i went to the gas station when it was the highest it was here in huntsville and i was still able to fill up my tank because god provided and my daddy and doctor made it mean to keep your tanks full. <laughs> so mine, when it get down to a certain point, I just go fill it back up. I don't drive it down to empty. I just fill it back up. But the thing of it is, God gives you wisdom because he loves you. He will protect you. He will take care of you. He will show you what you need to do because of his incredible love for you. He will provide for you everything that you need, but you've got to trust him. You've got to develop that relationship to where regardless of what your eyes are seeing and beholding, you're saying, I see this, but God, I'm trusting you for what you have seen. It's like when, and I, I, I didn't, don't know, I didn't think I was going to go there, but when I would walk into that ICU and see John lying there, I know what my eyes saw but I also knew what the Spirit of God had told us. I knew that. And I knew what God had said. And so when I would see him lying there like that, I would leave there and I'd say, God, I need to see something else. I need to see something else. And when that woman called me that night, that early morning, and said that he might not make it through the night, I said, God, that's not what you said. You see, you want to get your relationship with God to the point that regardless of how close the devil get to taking something from you, you can say, God, that's not what you said. This is mine. And you back off and you can't have it because God has said that it's mine and I refuse to let it go. I resist the devil. I submit myself to you, Lord, and to your word. And I resist the devil and he's got to do what? He's got to flee. He's got to go. But see, do you know that? If you don't know that, the enemy will steal from you. So that's why it's important to develop your relationship with God and to get into his word and to know the promises that he has gotten for you, that he has made for you. Because if I have promised you that I'm going to take you from here to your home if it's 15 miles. I prom I made that promise. And I told, okay, you to tell her that I was going to take her home. But if you don't tell her and she doesn't know it, she might set out walking. And it's getting hot out there. <laughs> you don't want to be out there walking. God has provided so much for us. 
He has provided so much for us. Let's go to, um, oh no, I was going to go to Ephesians here. Let's go to the second chapter of Ephesians. I was talking about walking according to the course of this world. Second chapter of Ephesians, I'm going to start at verse 1. And you, Ephesians, right after Galatians, Verse 1. Oh, I'm in King James. And you have he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin. Quickened, brought to life. Okay. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that still now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We've all been there. We've all walked according to the course of this world. But God, in verse 4, but God, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he has loved us. His great love. His great love wherewith, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened, that word again made us alive, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not only has he made us alive, but he has planted us, he has seated us into a place with Christ Jesus in the heavenly realms. But you see, what we gotta understand is that that is the spiritual realm. I mean, y'all are there right now sitting right here in the physical. But every one of you in here that has accepted Christ is also in the spirit, seated in heavenly places, far above all principal. Where is it at? Where is it at? Okay. What, what verse does it talk about? Above all principalities and powers and dominion. Well, where is that verse? The scripture. One twenty-one. Okay. This is where Jesus is seated, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. All right, he raised Jesus and placed him in that position. So what we just read then, he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So if Jesus is seated there, guess where you're seated? You're seated right there too, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. See, but the devil don't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to know you have authority over him. 
He doesn't want you to know that you can speak to him and command him to take his hands off of whatever belonged to you, your body, your possession, your children, your family. He don't want you to know that. And the moment you know it and believe it in your heart, you can start using it. You can start saying, whoa, I got authority over you. It's like us as parents. We look at our children, <laughs> we tell them, and I don't know about the rest of y'all, but my mom tell us something to do. Why? Because I said so. <laughs> That's what she said, because I said so. Well, guess what? That devil, he probably won't even ask you why. He going to have to. Why? Because you said so. You said it out of your mouth in faith and believing what Jesus has done for you, believing where you are seated, believing that God has given you power to tread on the serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So you say it based on that truth, the devil has to obey. But guess what? If you're not convinced of that, if you're not saying it, knowing that this is the truth, you might come up with, I'll give it a try. Never leave my children alone. Never leave my family alone. Do you believe it? You got to believe it. Even if you're saying it with a little apprehension, God will honor that. And the more you say it with boldness, you get bolder and bolder and louder and louder. And you begin to say, okay, uh, 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 no more holding back. No more delay. You got to go and you got to go now. You got to take your hands off of it and you got to do it now. But you've got to be as a child of God. You've got to be persistent. You've got to hold on. You've got to uh, 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 show that devil I am not taken down. You see, because it's not necessarily that he will go just like that. Sometimes he will, and sometimes he want to see, do you believe what you're saying? Now, if you believe it, he has to obey. But if he resists, you give up, he has won that battle. It's like before Carter died. Carter, sit. That was our dog. Carter, sit. And he'd look, sit. And he'll do his little wiggle and his little resistance. I said, sit. And he'll sit down. After a while, he got to the point where when I said sit, he would sit. But when we were training him, he would resist. And see, he began to understand my authority. And it's the same way. I began to understand my authority and that he would obey. It's the same way as a child of God. Know your authority. Understand your authority. And the more you spend time with your father, and the more you hear and read and, and, and comprehend this word, the more confidence in it you will get. But you see, the thing of it is, we've got to first of all know that God loves us. And we don't just do the right thing, but we've got to have the right motive when we are expressing love. 
You see, people can express, they can do the right thing, but they can do it with a motivation of, well, if I do this, I can get her to do that, or I can get him to do that. That's the wrong motive. But if you're doing it with the right motive, I'm looking for nothing in return. I'm just showing you that I love you. I do it because I want to. Then that's when you get the reward. God says, I'm not looking for anything. You need me. You need a savior. You need salvation. I'm coming to give myself for you. But if you accept me, there's so much more I want to give you. It's available to you, but it's up to you to accept it. And I have learned about love and serving and doing for someone else, whether you feel like it or not. When you get woke up in the middle of the night and say, I need, the, I need an ice pack for my head. And you're going, okay. <laughs> you get up and you go get it with no attitude because you want that individual to be relieved of pain. When somebody asks you, uh, you know, and God has a way of getting to us and changing us and we don't even realize that we've been changed. When God can get a person to let go of their money and think nothing of it, he has really touched your heart. And there was a time when, when I said, I'm going to save, don't you ask me for the money? I'm saving this. But I've learned when you let go, God replaces. And when God replaces, it's not always what you let go. Many times it's more than what you let go. So I'm learning. You don't lose anything with God. You don't lose anything. God is able to show you how much he loves you if you are willing to come before him and to develop that relationship. It pleases the Father to give us all, all good things. It pleases him. It's like we as parents. It, we take pleasure in blessing our children. We take pleasure in loving our children. Sometimes when they don't even deserve it, we, do, we still want to bless them. We want the best for them. I want to read Ephesians 2, chapter, uh, I mean, verses 2 through 6 out of the message. Well, in the message, you got to start with verse 1. It wasn't so long ago that you were mixed, no, that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. Wow. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Thank God he didn't. Instead, 
immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all of this on his own and with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Man, that's, that's saying a whole lot. But I said all of that because I feel like God wants us to know how much he loves us. I'm almost, in a couple of, few more months, I'll be 65 years old. I've seen a lot of stuff. But some of the stuff that's coming down the pike now, either I just didn't know it was there or I didn't see it. The enemy has gotten very brazen. He's gotten very brave. A lot of stuff that we see and hear. I mean, look at the attack on our children. The things that they want to teach them in school lets us know that the enemy is getting brave. But one thing, I don't know if he doesn't know it or he's just stupid or just what. He does not win. He doesn't win. God's love for us, first of all, is going to keep us. But we are on the winning side. And things are going to go down. that will let us know that God is still God and let the devil know that you don't win. But now the thing, question of it I want to ask you, are you willing to stand for righteousness? It can be challenging sometimes especially when you're walking with friends that don't see things exactly the way you see them. You might get ridiculed, you might get laughed at, you might get talked about, but are you willing to stand? Are you willing to stand in that incredible love of God? You see, because when you immerse yourself in his love, it doesn't matter what people say, it doesn't matter what people think, you know that you are loved. And I want you to say this, I am wanted, say it, I am loved, and I am chosen by God, I am his own, and see, with that knowledge, remind yourself every day, I used to tell myself, I am God's little girl, and then I got away from it, but I started back to saying these, I'm loved, God chose me. He wants me, regardless of what I've been involved in, where, how I thought, where I came from, God still chose me. And he sent his son for me. He did for y'all too, okay. But he did it for me. And that's something that we have to remind ourselves. Get into the word. Remind yourself that God so loved the world that whosoever, whosoever, you, 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 all of us 
or whosoever's. So when we come before him, he wants to just shower us with his incredible love. But we can't throw up the umbrella to protect ourselves from it. We got to let pull out the stops, move everything that will block us from receiving the love that God has for us. Get into his presence. Call on him. Seek him. Ask him, what do we got going on today, Lord? How do you want to show me your love today? It might be just the fact that if you ask him for that parking spot, I give you one. Something as simple as that. But just when you, because I'm closing now, when you leave this place, I just want you to know God loves you personally, every one of us, with an incredible love that he wants to manifest in our lives. And it's up to us as to how much of that love we receive. It's up to us. So I say, pull out all the stops and say, God, just shower it all down on me. Okay. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, for showing us how much you love us. We come before you, Lord God, open. We come before you, Father God, saying, fill us up. Open our eyes. Change our way of thinking if it's contrary to what you would have for us. Help us to see how much you love us, how much you want us. Help us to see the fact that you have chosen us and you have made us the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. We are accepted. God, help us to not allow the enemy to cause us to doubt who you are and how much you love us. But help us to walk out of here with that renewed within us and determined to walk in your love and determined to show others how much you love us and them. Teach us how to love the way you love, Father. Teach us how to give the way you give. And we give you all glory and all praise in Jesus' name. Amen.